and in our God is invincible. Come on, somebody. We serve an invincible God, an, an invincible God, not an uninvincible God. There we go. How's everybody? I'm so glad that you're here today, man. I, uh, boy, what a time, right? I want to read something that I wrote about our gathering today as I was thinking about it. This morning as we come together, our world is a very different place. As we look around us, we see people who are uh, panicking. We see people who are looking at what's going on and kind of just shrugging it off or making light of it. But the truth is we should be somewhere in between. we, We shouldn't be walking in fear. We should be walking in faith. We should walk in the wisdom of Christ. We should pray, make informed decisions. We should walk in love and, again, not in fear. While the COVID-19 virus may not impact all of us, there will be people that will be impacted by it. And that calls for sensitivity on our part. It calls for prayer. It calls us to be the light of Christ to the world around us. Guys, crisis is always an opportunity for the light of Christ to shine. Ironically, I was thinking about this today. Uh, We have some friends who were missionaries in China for a long time. And they were experts in the language. You know, the Chinese language is made up of symbols. And the word for crisis in the Chinese language is made up of two symbols, one meaning danger and one meaning opportunity, which I think that's pretty interesting, right? Uh, Because I believe we as the church have a great opportunity to be instruments of light during this time. So in all that you do, as you walk through this situation, Be a light. Keep your joy. Press on. Walk in faith, not fear. Be patient with those who are struggling, and there'll be people that'll be struggling through this. Speak life into those who are afraid. Be wise. Be cautious. As a church, we're going to look for opportunities to serve our community. And if there's ideas that you have or things that come to mind, man, we're all ears because we want to make a difference in our community during this time. Please know that we are following the wisdom of the CDC and the national, statewide, and local governments. And we will continue to assess daily what our response should be to this event. We'll do our best to make you aware of any changes that might impact us as far as our gatherings and that sort of thing. We'll make those decisions, you know, in the week to come. Uh, As of right now, I can tell you our small groups or smaller gatherings definitely will still be meeting and uh, joining together. Uh, But for today, here we are. (laughs) We're gathered together as usual. And I was really praying about this, you know. Do I stop? Do Do I give a message on fear and anxiety and just deal with that head on? And I really felt like God told me, no, just mention a couple of things as you start, which I did, and then preach your message. And so, you know what, we're going we're gonna to hear the word today. We're going we're gonna to laugh a little bit. How many of you know it's okay? We probably could use a good laugh, right? We're going to have some aha moments, and we're going to let God do his thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so the president has declared today a national day of prayer. So I want to just take time together as a church to pray one more time. And then I would encourage you, take some time to pray with your family. To gather your family together. Maybe that's not something you do a whole lot as your family. You should, but maybe it's not something you do. But I want to encourage you. Do that as a way of encouraging your family, as a way of speaking life 
into your family as a way of addressing fear and anxiety and all those things that tend to come into our family. Take some time to pray. If you're here and you're single, take some time. Set some time aside to pray. Pray for the church. Pray for our nation. Pray for our community. Pray for the people around us. So let's just have a word of prayer and then we'll jump into the word. Father, I just bless you. I thank you that you are here and that you are in this place. I thank you for your great love and your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Father, I thank you that, that, as Hannah said earlier, perfect love cast out all fear. And Father, you are love. You didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So Lord, we pray for our nation right now. Matter of fact, we pray for the world. As everyone in the world right now is facing the complications from this virus, Lord, we, as your people, refuse to live in fear. We're people of faith. We're going to trust you. We're going to trust you to protect our families. We're going to trust you to protect our community. And we're going to put our lives in your hands. And Father, there's no more secure place that we could be. We love you. We bless you. We ask you, Lord, to do a great work in our nation during this time. But Father, in the midst of crisis, In the midst of danger, we would also find great opportunity to serve you and to love our community. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Wasn't the band great today? Man, awesome. You know, many years ago, there was a preacher by the name of, uh, and he's still around, uh, Tony Campola, and he was speaking in Honolulu, Hawaii. And if you've ever you know, traveled through multiple time zones, you know your body clock can get a little out of whack. And so he's there, and he wakes up at 3 in the morning, and he's hungry. So he finds a little greasy spoon somewhere near his hotel. He goes in, sits down at the counter, and he orders a donut and some coffee. While he's sitting there, in walks about a group of about eight or nine women who had been working the streets, all right? And so they're talking, and there's no one else in the diner, so he's overhearing everything they're saying. And one of the women mentions that it was going to be her birthday the next day, and her name was Agnes, and she was turning 39 years old, and she had never had a birthday party in her entire life. Something just kind of snapped inside of Tony Campolo, and he said, when the women left the diner, Tony said to the owner, he said, hey, the women that were just here, are they regulars? And the guy says, yeah, they come in here most every night just around this time. And he says, what do you say we decorate the place tomorrow and, and throw a surprise party for Agnes right here in the diner? Now, the owner thought that was a great idea. He says, we'll make, I'll make a cake. So the very next night, Tony Campola comes in. He decorates the diner with streamers and balloons and a big sign that says, Happy Birthday, Agnes. The owner got the word out on the street. So around 3 in the morning, almost every prostitute in Honolulu was in this little diner. Tony said it was wall-to-wall prostitutes and me. <laughs> what a great thing, right? So Agnes walks in and everyone says, Happy birthday, Agnes. And then they start singing. And the owner comes out and he's got the cake and it's got candles. And she's crying and he's saying, Cut the cake, Agnes. Cut the cake. And she says, I can't cut the cake. I've never had one. She said, Let me go and take the cake and show it to my mom and then I'll bring it back and we can cut it. And so Agnes walks out of the diner, right? And there's this awkward silence. And Tony's trying to figure out, well, what do I do now? And so he says, what do you say we pray? And so he prays for Agnes. He prays for the women in the diner. 
And uh, then when he finishes, the owner leans across the counter and says, I didn't know you were a preacher. What kind of church do you preach in? And Tony Campolo said it was one of those moments where the Holy Spirit gives you just the right words. He said, I preach in a church that throws parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> the owner says, no, you don't. No, you don't. I would go to a church like that. And he said, wouldn't we all? We're in a series right now called Love is the Revolution, and we've been looking at different aspects of love. And today, as we're coming to our, our study, we're, we're going to talk about the fact that love is respectful. Love is respectful. It's about showing respect and honor to other people. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5, it says this, Love is not rude. It is not selfish. It's not self-seeking. You sum that up and it basically means if you want to show somebody love, treat them with respect. Now this idea of respect is found all throughout the Bible. In Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 19, it tells us to respect the elderly. And by the way, most of the elderly people that I talk to don't feel respected. They feel overlooked. We need to change that, right? In 1 Samuel 3, a preacher's sons were called scoundrels because they showed no respect for the Lord. In Ephesians 5 and 6, husbands and wives were taught to respect each other, and slaves and masters were taught to treat each other with respect. I was thinking back to when our daughter Leanna first started dating, right? And I was thinking, you know, when a guy comes and knocks on that door, right, I want them to treat her with respect because I didn't want to have to hurt him. You guys know what I'm saying, right? I mean, seriously. So, you know, I wanted him to be respectful. So here's a verse for you. I want you to just maybe think about even memorizing this verse this week. Uh, you'll see it there at the top of your notes. If you've got your notes out, 1 Peter 2.17, it says, Show respect for everyone and love your Christian brothers or sisters. Now, respect is something that we talk about a lot, but have you ever given a lot of thought to what it really means? When we say somebody is being disrespectful or you need to show some respect in this situation. What does that really mean? So here's a working definition for us today. This is not a dictionary definition. This is what I think respect is. Tell me if it resonates with you. All right? Respect is showing value and honor to others by our actions. Respect is showing value and honor to others by our... When we dishonor or devalue a person, you could say you disrespected them. You disregarded them. In today's language, we just simply say, you dissed them, right? Uh, but to show someone respect, that's to show them value, to show them honor. Think about it this way. I believe that every single person that you come in contact with, it's like they have this sign around their neck. It's invisible, but if you get really close, you can almost see what it says. It's a sign that says, do I matter? Do I have any value in your eyes? Are you seeing me? Am I important to you? It's pleading with you. Would you, somebody, somebody please show me by your actions that I matter? Let me ask you a question. When people hang out with you, do they, do they feel better or do they feel worse? That's one way to know if you're a respectful person, right? Do they feel inspired? Do they feel valued? Do they feel respected? Or do they feel worse? Do they feel diminished? Do they feel unappreciated? 
Now, I think we could probably all say that we've been around people who make us feel replenished, who make us feel better, and then we've been around people who make us feel less than or make us feel diminished. Some people renew us and some people wear us out. Come on, somebody, right? I mean, it's true. You can see this in animals, too. We have cats in our house. I don't know how this happened. I don't know how we wound up getting cats. I'm just being honest. I was a dog person. I've always had dogs. And uh, somewhere when our daughter was young, we found out she was allergic to dogs, but not allergic to cats. How is that even possible? Right? And so they began to work on me. You know, can we get a cat? No. Can we get a cat? No. Can we get a cat? No. <laughs> right? Um, and so we compromised and we got three cats. <laughs> I don't know how that worked. But, but I can tell you something. There's a huge difference between cats and dogs. Cats will show you absolutely no risk. Dogs will respect you. Right? When you open the door, here comes the dog and he's bringing the love right? He's, he's sharing the love. He's all over you. Cats, you walk into a door when you got cats, they won't even look at you, right? They won't even acknowledge you. A dog says to you, man, you love me. You feed me. You care for me. You shelter me. You must be God. A cat looks at you and says, you love me. You care for me. You feed me. You shelter me. I must be God, right? No respect from cats. None whatsoever. Now, Jesus was absolutely the best when it came to this idea of showing honor and love to people. He knew how to make people feel valued. You could hear it in his words. You could feel it in his actions if you were around him. And I want to show you a little bit of scripture from Luke chapter uh, 7. It's kind of a, a slice of life from the ministry of Jesus Starting at verse 36, Luke 7, 36. If you have your smartphones, you can pull out and follow along there. It's also on the screens. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come to his house for a meal. So Jesus accepted the invitation and sat down to eat. A certain immoral woman heard he was there and brought a beautiful jar filled with expensive perfume. Everybody say expensive. I want you to remember that word because we'll come back to it in just a minute. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee, who was the host, saw what was happening and who the woman was, he said to himself, this proves that Jesus is not a prophet. If God had really sent him, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Listen to this. Jesus spoke up. And answered the Pharisees' thoughts. That's pretty impressive. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. All right, teacher, Simon replied, go ahead. Then Jesus told him a story. He said this, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces of silver to another, but neither of them could repay him. So he gladly forgave them both, canceling their debt. Simon, who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one from whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, look at the woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, Simon, you didn't even offer 
me water to wash the dust from my feet, which was customary in that time. Remember, they walked on dirt roads. They had sandals or barefooted. And when they would go down and eat dinner with somebody at their home, the tables were very low, and you would actually recline at the table so that your feet would be up. And you didn't want to have dirty feet at the table. So it was customary. If somebody was coming to your house, usually you would have a servant or somebody that would wash their feet as they came in. But if not, you would at least have a bowl of water so that they could wash their feet. He says, you didn't even do that for me, Simon, but she washed my feet with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss of greeting, which again was customary. It was common courtesy in that day. He says, but she's kissed my feet again and again for the first time I came in. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she's anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, Simon, her sins, though they're many, have been forgiven. And so she loves me much. But a person who's forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Now for this story, I want to show you four signs of respect that I think kind of hang around the neck of every person you meet. Let's talk about them. Here's the first sign. The first sign is stop. It's the stop sign, right? We've all seen stop signs. Stop sign is there to remind us of this. Stop talking and listen. How many of you are great listeners? Let me just see your hands. You're a great listener, right? How many of you did not raise your hand because you weren't really listening to the question? Can I see it? <laughs> I missed it. What were you saying? Yeah, I understand. I can tell you, man, uh, Jesus was a great listener. I, I love this story in Luke 7. Uh, you, know, you, you, have to be, you have to just be kind of amazed at the kind of listener that wa- Jesus was. He listened to this woman. He listened to Simon, the Pharisee. In fact, the Bible says that he listened so well, he even knew what Simon was thinking. But he also listened to the woman. And you say, well, hang on a second, Robert. I'm a little confused because as far as I could tell, the woman didn't say anything. There were no words that were spoken. And I would say, you're right. She never said anything with her words, not even one. But Jesus listened to her. Would you agree that by her actions, she was saying something to Jesus? Wouldn't you agree that listening goes just beyond, maybe, the words that someone is saying? It's seeing what's in their eyes. It's getting a feel for what's going on in their heart. It's reading between the lines. It's it's listening in the moments of silence. This woman was speaking to Jesus. She was speaking through her tears. She was speaking in the washing of his feet. She had a message, and Jesus was the only one who heard it because he was the only one that was listening. Sometime later, the Apostle Paul was writing to the church of Corinth And he was telling them about a visit that Titus, who was his son in the Lord, had had with with them in Corinth. And so he writes them, and he says, because it apparently had been a great experience, in 2 Corinthians 7.15, he says, Titus remembers the way you listened to him and welcomed him with such respect and deep concern. Now, why did Titus feel respected? Well, because of the way they welcomed him and the way they listened to him. Are you a good listener? I'll be honest with you, this is something that I have struggled with my entire life. Now, if you've known me for a long time, you would probably know that I'm a better listener now than I used to be. But it's still an issue for me. 
And there's times that I have to be really, really careful to remind myself, just be quiet, to listen. How are you at listening? When you're in a conversation with somebody, do you ever kind of feel like that maybe underneath their breath they're going, would you just be quiet? Would you just listen to what I'm trying? Could you stop advising me for a second and just listen to my heart? I really want you to hear me. When our daughter, Leanna, finally got interested in driving, she didn't, she didn't want to drive when she turned 16, which is the exact opposite of me. And I, I wanted to start driving as soon as I I started driving at 12. <laughs> Not, well, that's another story. But she decided she wanted to start driving somewhere around 18. And when she started driving at 18, all of a sudden, man, it became a traumatic experience for me. Now, not because she was driving, but because now she was an expert on driving. You know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, now she's seeing all the things that I was doing wrong. My hands weren't at 10 and 2 right? Or those sort of things. And then she made me aware that I was guilty of one of the most egregious sins that you could have if you're driving a car, and that is the rolling stop. Anybody know what the rolling stop is? I mean, you hit a stop sign, and you just kind of roll right through it, right? I think that's a good description of what a lot of people do in conversations, right? We only stop long enough to catch our breath and think about what we've got to say, and then we roll right through that conversational intersection. John Ortberg wrote a book called Teaching on Relational Intelligence, and in it he tells this story, and I'm just going to read it to you. He says, years ago, my parents and I were stuck in a room with a mom and her eight-year-old son as we waited for a family member to show up on family day at college, and for one hour, the woman in the room did not stop talking. She made Don King look like an introvert. And it was not because we weren't sending her, we were sending her signals. We weren't. Nobody would make eye contact with her. We were afraid if we did, it would encourage her. No one was nodding at her. Our bodies were turned in the opposite direction, and she would not stop talking. It was as if she had taken some sort of powerful verbal laxative, right? And her words were just out of control. Finally, after about an hour of this, her daughter came upstairs and into the room. And the woman stood up and said, gotta go. But she kept talking the whole way out the door. I've got so many things to do, she told all of us who didn't care at all. I've got errands to run. I've got dinner to fix. I've got to pick up your dad. And oh, yes, I've got to pick up some buttons. And then her eight-year-old son spoke the only words that he had spoke the entire hour. He looked at his mom and says, Mom, you need a button for your mouth. Ortberg writes, at that moment we felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit on the life of that boy. Here's an idea. Maybe we need to get a button and just keep it in our pocket to silently remind us every time you feel it to say, hey, be quiet for a second. Listen to the people around them. And when you listen to people, when you really listen to people, it's a game changer. It makes a difference. When people know that you're listening to them. It goes a long way towards making them respected and feel valued. All right? Here's a second sign that you'll see around people that you meet, and it is no U-turn. <laughs> no U-turn. Here's what it means. It means keep your promises. Keep your promises. If you tell people you're going to do something, they really want to believe you, but then the next thing you know, you've turned the wheel, you've squealed your tires, and you're going in the exact opposite direction 
of the commitment that you've made to them. If you look at our story today, Jesus made an amazing promise to this woman. He said, your sins are forgiven. And when Jesus makes a promise, he always keeps his promises. Have you ever had someone break a promise to you? Said they were going to do something and they didn't do it? Did that make you feel honored or respected? Or did it make you feel discounted and disrespected? I heard a story about an 18-year-old ministry student. Uh, He was studying to be in the ministry. And he had set a goal for a paper that he was writing that he wanted to interview some pastors of larger churches. And he was having a lot of trouble really trying to even make appointments because they were so busy. And finally, he, he got an appointment to meet with this mega church pastor from the Midwest, and the kid was thrilled. He had an afternoon lunch appointment. And it just so happened that the interview was right after September 11th and the terrorist attack. So in the morning of the appointment, the young student got up before 6 a.m., and he had a long drive to see this pastor. And after he was on the road, the pastor's ministry assistant called the young man's house to see if the pastor could reschedule. The assistant explained that, 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 that you know, there was something that had come up and he was wondering if he could reschedule. And the father said, it's okay, he's, he's already on the road, he doesn't have a cell phone, uh, but you know, just explain it to my son when he gets there and, and he'll, he'll understand. A few minutes later, the father gets another call, and this time it's from the pastor himself. And he said, look, I understand he's on the way, I made a commitment to him, so I've canceled my other appointments. And just, you know, I gave my word to your son, and I will meet with him. So the 18-year-old gets there, and he does meet with the pastor. And they had a two-hour lunch interview. Afterward, the students drove the pastor back to the church. And as he was leaving the office, a staff person kind of pulled him aside and said, Hey, look, you know, man, I, I, don't, I don't know who you are, but I just wanted you to know that uh, the pastor had been asked to speak on a nationally released broadcast radio program to speak about the crisis and the spiritual dilemma facing our country, but he canceled because he made an appointment with you. The young man said, I learned more in that moment about leadership and integrity than I did in the entire two-hour lunch. Keeping promises is important. Proverbs 25, 14, it says, People who promise things they never give are like clouds and wind that bring no rain. Could Jesus have been any clearer when he said, You know what? Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. In other words, keep your word. I think sometimes the the main reason that we break promises is because we make them too quickly. We don't consider our schedule. We don't consider what could happen. We don't plan ahead. We just make a, a rash commitment, and then we wind up breaking the promise. The Bible talks about that too in Proverbs chapter 3, when it says, Good planning and insight fill you with life and bring you honor and respect. You ever notice how important promises are to children? Right? When, when I was a kid, there used to be an old saying that we would say. If somebody said that they would make you a promise, you would say, they would say, I promise you. And you say, you promise? Yes. Hope to die? Yes. Stick a needle in your eye? Yes. Right? Do anybody remember that? I promise, hope to die, stick a needle in your eye? I think that would be great in a marriage ceremony, isn't it? <laughs> right? I think that would be great in a, in a CEO of a boardroom if he made that kind of promise. Promise? Yeah. Hope to die? Yeah. Stick a needle in your eye? Yeah. 
See, that's what I love about God. God keeps His promise. Every promise He's ever made, all through the Bible, in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, God destroys the world with a flood. And He tells Noah, I will never destroy the world with water again. And to seal the promise, He gives him a sign. He says, every time you see the rainbow, that will be a sign to you that I've made this promise to you. Keep turning through the pages and you come up on the story of 99-year-old Abraham and 89-year-old Sarah and God promised them they would have a baby. 89 and 99, right? And from that child, it said there would come uh, uh, many blessings and a mighty nation. I mean, think about it. 89 and 99 and a baby. There was probably a a tooth in the whole household, right? (laughs) They'd be the only couple at Target buying Depends and Pampers at the same time. (laughs) And then to seal the deal, to seal the deal, God said that he would give them a sign. It was the sign of the circumcision. And if I was Abraham, I'd probably be thinking, why did Noah get a rainbow? (laughs) Right? I'm here all week. God made a promise to us. He said that He would send us a Savior who would forgive us of our sins and be our friend, that He would comfort us, that He would teach us, that He would lead us. And then when we hit times where there's crisis, when we hit times where you know, people are panicking, that He's going to be there for us and He's going to walk through life with us. And so He sent His Son, Jesus. And when Jesus came, He made us a promise that God would love us and forgive us and take us to heaven one day if we would put our trust in Him. And He sealed His promise of love with the new covenant, with His blood that he, when He died on the cross. When you take communion today at the close of the service, it's a reminder, it's a sign of that promise that He made to us. It's something to think about as you do that. And it should make you feel valued and respected. And we show value and respect when we keep our promises. Here's the third sign. The third sign hanging around people's neck is the yield sign. And it means yield your rights and serve others. Yield your rights and serve others. We live in a time right now, we live in a world where everybody is concerned about rights. I have my rights, right? And so we make everything about us. And we think that life is all about us. It's not all about us. Life is about God, and it's about others. The story about the woman and Jesus in Luke chapter 7 is so tender and it's so beautiful. And it's a beautiful story of her serving the Lord. I mean, think about it. Without a word, without even a mention of the value of what she was doing, without worrying about what someone else would think, she came to Jesus and she served him. You ever had anybody serve you like that in your life? Giving their thoughts to themselves or to the expense or or what anybody else would think, they just served you. Have you ever served anybody like that? Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, so I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and expend myself as well. I love that. And what does yielding and serving look like? Well, there's a lot of things that I can mention, but I'm just going to give you a couple. One example of serving and yielding uh, looks a whole lot like courtesy, just common courtesy. 
Did you notice in the story where Jesus points out the difference between the courtesy that the Pharisee gave and the courtesy that the woman gave? Jesus was just talking about common courtesy, the common courtesy of the day. Let me talk to the guys in the room for a second. Guys, remember when you first started dating your wife? All the courtesies that you used to show? And when you were first dating, you would take her hand in the parking lot. You would get between her and the traffic and all of that. You would open the car door for her. And now after you've been married for a while, man, you could be down three miles down the road and not even know if she's in the car, right? And if she waits at the door, you look at her like, well, what, is your arm broken? Right? What would happen if we decided, man, we're going to be people of courtesy in everything we do with our spouse or the people around us? I heard about a young woman who was traveling with a, a male friend, and he was very, very religious. And they were out in the middle of nowhere, and the car broke down, and it was freezing cold, middle of winter. And, and it was just very cold in the car. But fortunately, he had some blankets in the trunk. So when the woman said he was cold, he says, well, let me get you a blanket. So he gets out in the freezing elements, and he opens the trunk, and he gets a blanket, and he comes back, puts it on her. They're sitting for a few minutes, and she says, I'm still cold. He says, well, let me get you another blanket. So he gets out, goes back to the trunk, gets another blanket, and he brings it. He puts it on her, and she's sitting there. And after a few minutes, she says, I'm still kind of cold. And with kind of a smile on her face, she said, I've heard that sometimes if people get together, that their body heat will keep them warm. Would it be okay if we snuggled to get warm? But because the guy, you know, had strong religious beliefs and all that, he says, I, I really don't feel comfortable doing that unless we were married. And she says, well, we could pretend we're married. He says, hmm, okay. So they're sitting there for about a minute or two, and she smiles at him, and she says, I'm still cold. And he says, well, there's blankets in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> Service is marked by what? Courtesy. Courtesy courtesy. Here's another. Service is when we do our best for other people. When you do something for somebody, but you do it with reluctance and you don't put your all into it, that's not really serving. But when you give them your best, it shows them that, they val that you value them. It shows them that you matter to them. That's why I had you remember the word expensive. The perfume that the woman poured out was expensive. She gave her best. I mean, she probably had less expensive perfumes, but Jesus said it was a rare, expensive perfume. She was giving her best. See, guys, God doesn't expect you to be perfect. None of us are. But he does expect that we bring our best. In Malachi chapter 1, it says, The Lord Almighty says, I am your Father and Master, but where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have despised my name. And if you were to keep reading in that text, the people would say, how, how did we despise your name? And God answered, you despised my name by offering me defiled sacrifices. And the people asked how. And God tells them, instead of buying or getting the best lamb from your flock and offering that as a sacrifice, you bring me the crippled, the blind, and the sick. It's like you're looking for a, a lamb that's just barely making it and go, oh, I know, we can give this one to God. Uh, and then God basically tells them, you know, if that's the way you're going to worship, don't bother. God's not looking for perfection. He knows we can't give him that. But are you giving him your best? For example, do you ever think about what your actions show when you're here on Sunday mornings? Like when you're giving your offering, do you give it because you're going, God, I love you so much, I want to give you my best. I want to give you the first. 
I want you to know that you're first. When you're singing in the worship, are you singing from the bottom of your heart and praising God? Do you sing in such a way that says, God, you really matter to me? See, worship is all about God. It's not about us. It's taking our eyes off of ourselves for a moment and looking at God. Same thing with serving. It's not about us. It's about others. What do your actions say about who is important in your life? Is it all about you? Is it all about God and others? Where you love God and, and you serve Him. I'll tell you a little secret. When you love God and when you put others first, you're going to find that you love yourself too. All right, here's the fourth sign. Fourth sign that people are hanging around their neck is a sign that says scenic route. Scenic route. Now let me tell you what I mean by that. Let's say you're cruising down the interstate. You're doing about 70, 75, and everything is just flying by. In the peripheral, you're just seeing this big blur. Well, all of a sudden, you see a sign that says scenic route, and it reminds you to slow down and take time to look. It's a sign that says, hey, you know what? Slow down. Don't miss this. And when that sign is hanging around someone's necks, it's saying, hey, don't walk past me. See me. I'm a person of worth. I'm a person that that Jesus died for. It's seeing the person inside. You guys remember the movie Shrek? This big, giant, green ogre, but inside of him was this heart of gold. Look at what the Bible says in Romans 12. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. There's a controversial word that we hear a lot in our culture today, and it's the word profiling. And it has a lot to do with how we judge people on first sight. And it happens all the time, where we judge people by their economic status or their educational achievements, by their accent, or even the color of their skin. And sometimes people will look at someone and judge them, and it happens all the time. There was a guy in the Bible who was just terribly unsure of himself because he was a stutterer. He didn't feel like he could be used by God, but God made him the spokesperson for all of Israel. His name was Moses. There was a guy in the Bible who was very shaky and kind of volatile, and his name was Simon, which means flighty. But God says, you know what? I'm going to change your name to Peter, which means rock, because God says, I see something in you that nobody else sees. I started with a Tony Campolo story. I'll, I'll close with one, too. Tony Campolo was teaching a college class, and he asked his students this question, how would Jesus respond to a prostitute? And he was just getting ready to go when a young guy sticks his hand up, and he says, yes. And the guy says, well, I think it's a, it's a wrong question because Jesus never saw a prostitute. And Tony Campolo says, well, yeah, you know, and he started telling him about you know, Mary Magdalene and other prostitutes that Jesus came into contact with. And he says, no, you're not, you're not hearing what I'm saying. What I'm saying to you is that you may see a prostitute. The people around may see a prostitute. But when Jesus saw the woman in the story, he didn't see her past. He didn't see her mistakes. Instead, he saw her as a worshiper. He saw her as a daughter of the kingdom. He saw the imago Dei, the image of God inside of her. Guys, we need to make this our prayer. Lord Jesus, help us to see people and help us to see them in the way you see them. Help us to do what Ephesians 4.2 says, to be humble, gentle. 
Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Showing respect to other people is probably one of the most revolutionary ways that you can love. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I just thank you so much. Father, I thank you for your great love. I thank you for your great mercy and grace. Maybe you're here today, and maybe there's times where you felt less than. Maybe there was times where you really didn't feel loved. I just want you to know you are so deeply loved. There's a God who cares about you. There's people who care about you. Lord, I thank you for every person that's in this place today. Father, I pray that our hearts would be for you, that our hearts would be to serve you, to make other people feel respected and, and loved and, and cared for. Father, I pray that you would lead us and guide us in all that we do. Maybe you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart. You've never asked him to be the Lord of your life. The fact is, is that Jesus loved you so much that he died for you on the cross. He shed his blood so that you could find forgiveness, so that you could come into a relationship with the Father. So while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're here today and you would say, Robert, would you pray for me? I'd like to take that step today. I'd, I'd like to step across the line and ask Jesus to come into my heart. If that's you, could I just see your hand? I want to pray for you today. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Would you pray this prayer with me? Just right where you are. Say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I pray, Father, that you would help me to walk with you. Forgive me of my sins. Come live inside of me. And as much as I know how, I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God a hand. If you prayed that prayer, if you'll go to the welcome station and just let them know, hey, I prayed that prayer with Pastor today. We've got a little book for you called Now What? We'd love to put that in your hands. And then, so here's my prayer for you this week is that you would take time to stop and listen to the people around the, you, that, that you, we would keep our promises, that you would yield our rights and serve others and Slow down to see people as God sees them. I think it'll make a difference in the world around us. Next week, we're continuing with our series, and we'll be going to be talking about love is patient. And let me just say this, because the caveat there is we have no idea really what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, some places are shutting down gatherings and uh, that sort of thing. And we're just trying to play it by ear. We're going to try and keep going as long as we can. If you're not feeling well, if you're worried or anything like that, we're, we're going to make the service available online so that you can uh, hear it. We're actually working to try and get it to where you can see it. And so uh, that's hopefully that'll be 
up and, and going by next week. We may even have it today. I know that they filmed. So we'll just see how it all comes out. But uh, we'll be letting you know. We're, we're going to kind of keep monitoring and that sort of thing. That also is true of next week, March 22nd, is supposed to be the beginning of the tent. As you know, we're doing a thing that in our community where uh, we just want to get together. A bunch of different churches are getting together to just kind of seek God. But again, uh, the county is reviewing permits and stuff like that. And so we'll find out this week if that's able to go. And uh, it, th- so th- this gives you a great opportunity. If you're not on our newsletter list, go ahead and make sure that we get your email so that we can put you on our newsletter uh, list. That's a great way for us to communicate with you. Another thing is if you are on Facebook and you haven't liked our Coast Community Church Facebook page, do that. Uh, find us and, and all the information is there. Uh, I'm also putting it on my personal Facebook page. Men's Fight Club for all of our guys is this Saturday, 9 a.m. at the Bistro 98 uh, restaurant. We'd love for you guys to come and be a part of that. This is a great time of hanging out with a group of guys and quick, you know, quick little short uh, thing of the word, but great time of just having fun and hanging out and building relationships. We'd love for you to come and be a part of that. And then finally, right after the service, we've got uh, we were going to have food trucks. We've got a food truck. One of them canceled because of the coronavirus. But uh, we have the Beach Bums truck, which is an amazing, the, the food is amazing. And that's going to be here. Stick around. Say hello to some people. Get to know some people. Build some friendships. There's also going to be a ministry fair out on the thing. You can see some of our ministries and what they're doing. The ministry leaders are going to be out there. And as we get ready for going into two services in just a little while, uh, they'd love to tell you how you could get involved and what you could do to serve. So let's have a word of prayer together. Father, we just thank you so much. Just raise your hands. Father, we just bless you. We praise you. Lord, I want to speak a word of blessing over every person that's here today. Father, I just thank you that they belong to you. Father, the earth is the Lord's and all the people therein. Father, we belong to you. I pray, Father, that your hand would be upon us. Father, I pray that you would give us peace where there may be anxiety or fear or where the enemy may try to come into your heart and scare you. I pray, Father, that you would bring comfort. I pray that you would bring peace. I pray, Father, that you would settle hearts. Father, give us favor in the eyes of people we come in contact with. Let your anointing be on us as we walk through this week. Father, I pray that even in the midst of all this, that you would give us divine opportunities to serve other people and to tell them the story of what you've done in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.